Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. We have finished The Green Death, Episode 6. We have finished The Green Death, Episode 6. We have finished Season 10. We have finished the Joe Grant era. We have finished the era of um, uh, video feedback-based Doctor Who title sequences. Lots of stuff finished in this episode. Yeah, the the end of an era. Mm-hmm. Poor little doctor tootling off and, and Bessie at the end. It's just like he's got that little guy on his face like, my little girl's all grown up and fly in the coop. As, as he said in episode one, the fledgling flies the coop. Mm, yep, there you go. All ties back. Um, although for, the, for some reason this time around, uh, as you pointed out, I noticed the dog hurting the sheep. <laughs> there were a couple of dogs there, but yeah, there's yeah. a whole bunch of sheep. And then one of those dogs is doing his darn best to make sure that those sheep stay where they're supposed to in the shot yep um i uh just to point this out before we talk about the rest of the things uh um i have long been fascinated by the um music used in the party sequence at the very end of that because i thought it was cool it took me a long time to track it down i tracked it down and whenever it was two years ago 2022 Two Gallifrey One, Michael E. Bryant, the director, uh, was on the Radio Free Scarrow live show, and I chose that music to introduce him to bring him on stage. No, he did not recognize the music. That's perfectly fine. But <laughs> I knew, and that's what made it important. That's funny. That is very you. It's yeah. a very you thing to do. Yep. <sighs> Tracking down stock music. Yeah. What a lovely episode. What a lovely send-off. I just thought it was really well-acted and well-performed and well-written, and it just was, you know, it took up the last 10 minutes of the episode, essentially, like they sort of wrapped up the, the boss thing and then and then dealt with that. I thought it was really well done. Yep, yeah. The um, I have mixed feelings about the sort of climax with Stevens and, and that sort of thing, because, you know, in our last episode here, we were talking about how one of the things that's sort of chilling about Stevens is that he's sort of bought into all of this stuff without needing to be brainwashed. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, I mean, there was a little bit of uh, hinting at it early in the story because, you know, we had boss calling him a sentimentalist and yeah. that sort of thing. But, it, you know, that really at the time just really felt more like he's still got a tiny bit of humanity in him and the computer's making fun of him for it here yeah. though like it seemed too easy to pat for the doctor to just be able to walk in and be like stevens fight it you're a human mm-hmm. like he stevens knew all of the things that the doctor is you know you, you know about the disease and blah, blah blah yeah he knew that five minutes ago too before he voluntarily sat down and put the headset on and I find it, it's just a little bit too far for me to go mm. that the Metabulous 3 crystal is, the, you know, because he, like, the whole point was he wasn't brainwashed. Mm. And the only way that that crystal actually works is if he, I don't know, maybe the idea is he brainwashed himself with capitalism and greed and that sort of thing. But yeah. that's, uh, I don't know. Then, then we get into, like tricky areas where did does the crystal just change his entire personality like i don't know well i found it interesting i never really noticed it before until watching it this time around is that like when stevens is running around trying to get everything set up he is the one trying to keep boss on topic boss is becoming like just this song gonna hum music it's oh we're having fun we're gonna do so much when we take over the world and stevens is like please you know Uh 
stay focused on this and like he becomes the computer almost in that moment and boss becomes sort of the uh the human you know the fliberty gibbet the fliberty gibbet as you say <laughs> and, and it, it almost like he becomes annoyed and disillusioned at this partnership that he's had that's true actually that does that does help because the fact that boss has been created to be this paragon of efficiency mm-hmm. and then at the end has gotten to the point where the humanity has taken over too much and right. is now become less efficient and more i don't know megalomaniacal and goofy yeah that yeah maybe maybe that is enough for me to sort of headcanon like there's that's like the the wedge that starts happening in steven's mind being like wait a minute mm-hmm. what are we doing here I'm still on task if a, a, an entity with this much power goes off task, where are we headed? Yeah. So, okay. All right. You've made it, you've made it better for me. Thank Yay! you. Thank you. Although I did think it was funny that you have boss with like all of these, like the music and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, just, I still keep thinking of him as Matthew Peel from the Sandbaggers, who has very specific thoughts about <laughs> classical music and that's music true. taste. And it's just like, yeah, I see this. That's, that's very true. And ordering food at a Chinese restaurant too. Yeah. Uh, when we eventually finish Lazy Doctor, who will, of course, do the sandbaggers, um, <laughs> or in between seasons, perhaps, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it wraps up. And what else happened in this episode? Is that it? It's basically it. Basically, it started off, and uh, and they, they cured uh, um, Dr. Jones mm-hmm. with fungus. Uh, one final swipe at vegetarianism, but <laughs> it's just like, you sure you want to eat that, that non-beef stuff, but it will kill maggots. Maggots find it deplorable. But then again, all the rest of the unit soldiers uh, ate the rest of the soup, apparently. so Including the brigadier. Including the brigadier. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, also the other thing that made me kind of happy and sad was Joe apparently pulled in a uh, another favor with her yeah. with her uncle and got uh, um, the funds to basically keep the, the nut hatch going and mm-hmm. Cliff is dancing around going, this is great, you know, food for the world. And yeah. I was like, oh, if only that worked that way. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's probably, probably started up some brand of corn or something like that <laughs> and it, like to feed like southeast whales and that's about it. And they folded after, you know, six months and that was it. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, uh, well, it's 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 nice to dream sometimes, you know, that's the great thing about, uh, it's funny, I was just, uh, just before we pressed record on this, I was watching uh, uh, the history of uh, baseball video games and graphics and stuff like this. <laughs> Is that what that was? That's what that was, uh, starting back in the mid to late 70s and then it came, carried on. And there was a video game uh, where like robots were playing baseball in this crazy futuristic setting. And the name of that game was Super Baseball 2020 or something <laughs> like that. I thought, wow, they thought that robots would be playing. This is like 1995. So like 25 years from now, we'll have robots playing baseball. Didn't turn out that way either. So, Also, why would you want to watch robots playing baseball? <laughs> or play as robots playing baseball. That's kind of what it was. Yeah. Whatever. You know? Yep, but I mean, I I appreciate the the wide eyed optimism that we have here, mm. and you know, probably this story uh, inspired some children to go into science for a good cause, into food science, yep. into you know, I don't know, flute playing. There's a lot of things happening <laughs> in this <laughs> that that may have inspired some children to go forward. I actually that that actually reminds me of. 
the scene where they've they've figured out what the serendipity was, the happy accident. Yeah. Uh, I, I appreciate that they stretched that out as long as they did mm-hmm. because it would have it would have just seemed too again too pat and too easy to if they had just boom been yeah. like oh that's because I spilled this blah blah blah. Uh, no, it was it was much better this way. And then I really liked how the doctor is working on making the tincture or whatever it is because uh, he wants to make an injection. Yeah, and. Uh, for for Cliff and then but they're like no you need to go because something big is going to happen at four o'clock you need to go meet the brigadier and the doctor's like well I need I need to do this and mm-hmm. Nancy's like oh you're doing a blah 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 for this and the doctor says why well, yes and she's like oh I can do that and he just hands it to her yeah. and I was like yes I love that about the doctor most of the time the doctor is very very just like you know if if you are a person who knows what they are doing I will hand you the tools you need and take it and run with it doesn't care if it's a woman doesn't care if it's a strange lady who just plays the flute a lot. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's good and she's going to run with it. And what she did, clearly she did a good job with because it worked. And it worked super, super fast because within moments he's opening, Cliff's opening his <laughs> eyes and being like, oh my gosh, yeah. Nancy, Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's good at delegating mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, you know? Yeah. 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 So after four seasons of John Pertwee's Doctor, how do you feel about him now? Given that uh, you sort of gave him some glowing praise at that point. Going into this whole thing, you were quite, you know, not looking forward to this era a little bit. But how do you feel? Yeah, he's... uh, I hate to tell anybody that they should watch Doctor Who in order because that just feels so silly. (laughs) Right. And yet, I really feel like this Doctor's era benefits from watching beginning to end. Like, Mm -hmm. you really see the character act and interact and react to and in and with his his surroundings his circumstances yeah he's he's pretty grumpy at first and he's got really good reason to be he was forced to regenerate into this body he's mm-hmm. trapped on a single planet which is not a thing that he's used to i mean and and then he's stuck with all the same people which is not a thing that any of the previous versions of the doctor that we've seen mm-hmm. um or that most of the ones afterwards ever really have to deal with so w- watching him have a you know they refer to it as you know the unit family it is it really is that kind of thing no matter whether it's just the brigadier or just his assistant or companion or whatever um yeah he softens he softens quite a bit and is you know (laughs) good grief like i keep talking about the comparisons between the doctor and cliff Mm. at the end you have cliff not even really proposing to joe which is being like oh yeah well you know, he mentions getting married and she's like, what? You didn't say anything about getting married. And then the doctor, you know, excuses himself. And then he's like, Cliff's like, oh, I didn't. Well, you will, won't you? Like he never even asks her. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. Joe just keeps getting stuck with these bullheaded men who are too (laughs) smart for their own good. And Mm -hmm. they are just up their own behind sometimes just, just thinking out steps. And, you know, she's going to, she's going to keep him in line just the same way she kept the doctor in line. And when he gets ridiculous, she's going to go off and do her own thing, just like she always did with the Mm -hmm. doctor. So, you know, I have no worries about, about Joe, even if we hadn't seen her in the far, far future and in, you know, Sarah Jane adventures and stuff. Um, I wouldn't have been worried about her, but it, it, it does seem like, like she ends up with the same kind of haughty sort of fellow. Mm-hmm. Um, but the funny thing is, is I feel like the doctor's not quite as haughty at this point as even Professor Jones is. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny that she had, had she's gonna, she's gonna, she's gonna have some breaking in to do <laughs> <laughs> to change her man, basically. Yeah. Mm. 
to wake him up really <laughs> wake him up yeah mm-hmm. i do like i mean it's very Stuart bevan died last year he who played uh, cliff jones but they you know through the dvd extras and like they had the wonderful little blu-ray trailer for this uh featured him uh and uh he's you know he's sort of he's sort of been around in the in the the post season 10 ephemera of doctor who and i do i do like that uh, that this relationship endures even though we don't necessarily see it on screen um which is kind of sweet you know given that um you know we we was he was the only person to really properly steal to, you know away from the doctor in a way it's like it hasn't really happened in doctor who uh like that before so it was um it was nice and we all kind of liked professor jones you know it was important for us the viewer to like him to take away our precious joe grant from us but uh but he seemed like a like likable sort and you know even the doctor likes him yeah. there's no i i didn't I don't read any animosity into it at all. Like there was, there was a little bit earlier on in the story. There was a little bit of you know, comparing notes in terms of their right. uh, how much they knew about about stuff. But by the end, you know, he's he's happy, and Cliff says, "I'll take care of her, Doctor." Mm-hmm. And the Doctor seems like he believes it. Yeah, yeah. And Downs is drinking one, and uh-huh. off he yep. goes. Mm-hmm. So much, not not the best episode about for drinking and driving, I suppose. This particular <laughs> episode of Doctor Who, but uh, I mean that that size of a thing of champagne is probably about as much alcohol as like an entire non-alcoholic beer or a <laughs> bottle of kombucha or right. something like that. And that's so. for a human too, so. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm 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 not concerned. No. Yep. Also, it's rural Wales, and if rural Wales is anything like rural <laughs> Wisconsin, well, that's just what people expect. I'm sorry to say. Just a reminder, do not drink and drive, especially on this, of all days, uh, Super Bowl Sunday, as we um, carry on, perhaps, to watch future Doctor Who in the on this day. The, the game hasn't even started, apparently, as we as we record this. So we finished season 10. Um, we, we're onwards to season 11. Do you, do you know what comes next? Mm-mm, I have no idea. <laughs> I was actually just going to ask you to tell me what, what's next. We are on to season 11. Mm-hmm. Serial code UUU. Me, me, me. UUU. Where we meet the doctor's new companion by the name of Sarah Jane Smith. It's the, the time, time warrior. warrior. Okay, yeah. All you had to do is say it was the new companion. Yep. And I would know A, Sarah Jane Smith, and B, the time warrior, which I have seen before have. at least once, yep. maybe twice. Yep. Wasn't a fan. You were not. No, no, I was not. I wonder if I will feel differently about it this time or if I will be even more annoyed by Iron Gron. <laughs> or whatever the hell his name is. Iron Gron and Blood Axe. Yeah, that's what I thought their names were. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Not sure why you didn't like them before. I know you uh, uh, registered your opinions on Verity wet back when you reviewed this episode for whatever reason and whatever year it was, mm-hmm. but... Uh, we will see if time has mellowed your opinion on that. I don't know. Well, I just, oh God, I just found them so obnoxious. Really, really annoying <laughs> and so obnoxious. And uh, then, you know, you have Sarah Jane Smith, who is the <clears throat> strident feminist in a way that is very clearly seem to be making a joke out of it. And mm. I just, there are a lot of things about that story that I just really don't like. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, We'll see what we think about it on this here Lazy Do, a Lazy Do, Lazy Doctor Who podcast on the Incomparable Network. So, goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) 